0: You're listening to 11:30 a.m. KZOM, Oleander, Oregon, the place to be and be seen. Up next, Radio Free Oleander. Dave and DB talk about James Bond and Dungeons and Dragons in this episode. After that, farm report, and also um, live from Oblivion's. What TBD? I'm not sure what they've got going on this week. All right, up next, Radio Free Oleander. It's me, DB, and over here is this guy, Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how the heck's it going? I am well. Cool. So uh, how's 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 uh, everything in Goatland these days over at uh, Uncle Owen's uh, goat farm?
1: Oh, so we're um, it is of course that time where we have baby goats.
0: Yeah. And the
1: uh, and the, the last baby goat of the year has been born.
0: Yeah. That's that's, that's uh, cool. So what what comes uh, after the last baby goat being born?
1: A lot of milking.
0: A lot of milking, okay.
1: <laughs> yes. So, so, since we're predominantly a milk
0: farm, you
1: uh-huh. know, we make cheese, and, yeah. and so, um, we've got a pretty much, we've got a couple of the uh, couple of the, the, the mama goats well, uh-huh. well, nice. over two years. Right. We've we basically got to you know, breed them every year, okay? Uh, just to keep the the milk flowing. Sure. Uh, now that gives us a surplus of goats, mm-hmm. uh, and so these are, first of all, uh, these are our milk goats. There's really no market for them for uh, uh, meat goats, and there's no desire. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, if you if you if you've hand fed something, it's really hard to eat it. Sure, sure. So so the, the the female goats will go on and probably become milkers in a year or two. Yeah. But I'm amassing my dark army of goats for my my weathers and my bucks so that uh, we can do our uh, our grounds clearing. Yeah. So we're 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 excited about that. So we've got about we're up to about fifty or so bucks and so I'm sure that in a month or so you will hear all these adventures of maybe you'll hear a lot of swear words and maybe I'll be broadcasting from <laughs> a hill somewhere in black and mist. Uh because you know the thing about brush clearing? What's that? Goats will eat and, and one of the worst and I think you'll agree one of the, the biggest things here is the blackberries they just uh-huh. get over everything and it's been amazing you know cut back blackberries and you find Buicks, mm-hmm. or jacuzzis, or right. you know, uh, gazebos, and you just, but um, goats don't eat the blackberry branches. Yeah. They just eat the they leaves. They eat the leaves. Yeah. So that leaves the farmer, or whoever the farmer can hire, to uh, cut out all the, the, the branches.
0: Mm, okay. Alright, so we've got the milking and we've got the uh, clearing of land, uh, blackberries and stuff going on. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, In town right now, we don't have much of anything going on. Uh, We have some...
1: It's kind of hard to compete with making your own death ray. I mean, after your your death ray sort of fizzes out, everything else is kind of like uh, 4-H. Okay, basketball. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. They're doing the
1: Crucible in high school?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, today's super, super duper empty, and this will tell you why. Um, we, we don't have a dispensary in Oleander, but in Eugene and Portland they do, and it's 420 on the day that we're recording, so it is empty. It is a ghost town. I mean, not, le- not that everyone, but some people who would be out and about aren't here, so... There's not a bunch of people goofing off in the graveyard. There's not a bunch of people making noise over at Oleander's. It's it's people are doing their thing elsewhere, and it's kind of nice. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's peaceful. It's like we live out in the country? It's like we live out in the country, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh Oblivions uh, was going to have something and then the sheriff said not really you guys and then Oblivions took down their flyers and uh, yeah so we were going to have an ad for social distance 420 so there's nothing like that going on in Oleander and there's certainly not anything going on like that in the junkyard this weekend Uh, so or I don't know you'd have to talk to the guys at the junkyard they would tell you so hopefully the sheriff doesn't listen to this, and hopefully I don't get in trouble with the people from the junkyard. But I don't do much work at the junkyard. Dave, what else is going on this week in town? Anything that you know of? Farmers market.
1: Well, yeah, no, Saturday we will have the farmers market, and you know um, they're bringing in some new, uh, some new uh, oh, food carts. Nice. Which, uh, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so we we we've got uh, you know uh, uh, the uh, the hottest dog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a hot dog food cart yeah that specializes in hot dogs with ghost peppers. Whoa! So and uh, and 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 Chewy. Um, his real name is Jesus, but. I don't know if you're familiar, but a lot of Hispanics, if their name is Jesus, they just go by Chewy. I did not and, know that. You know, so, yeah, so I, I really think that Chewbacca's actually was, you know, Chewbacca's, Jesus, and uh, Wookiee's or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Kashikan, But, uh, so yeah, so Chewy, um, and his hot dogs are not, so the hot dogs are pretty good. Although I can only get like half of one. Yeah. He grows his own, he grows his own ghost peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the, the hottest dog is, is there now, um, as well as the uh, well, The coldest cream. So right next to it, they have uh, an ice cream place. So you can get your hot
0: dog, burn your mouth, and then go over into the ice cream place. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, that's always nice to have uh, a wide array of of food carts over at the uh, farmers market, which right now is just it's 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 just uh, it's just food booths and crafts right now. You can you can get yourself a uh, a flower pot made out of license plates or a, a, a big chunk of wood chainsawed into a bear or an eagle. Or all Your kinds of stuff. Uncle Owens Goat Soap? Yep, yep, yep. Uncle Owens Goat Soap, you can get that. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I keep trying to think of if there's anything that I can get out of the farmer's market. I uh, kind of, I don't know if I'm still the comptroller. I haven't been in, they haven't called me in for anything as of late since, I don't know, the mayor's pretty much like getting real people to do the work around here, so. <laughs> Are they paying you? Yes. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, uh, I mean, it wasn't that great of pay to begin with, and I, you know, pretty much only worked weekends, so. Yeah. Uh, not much else going on in town. I was gonna say that it's, uh, let's see. We have. No events planned, really, because this current mayor is not excited to get people to stand outside for a parade, and has pretty much said no parades whatsoever. So, there goes that whole premise for this show. And I kind of, I kind of miss
1: the parade. Me too. You know, to be honest, to be honest, I stood in front of the car wash last week and just pretended it was a parade. <laughs> a parade that got went in down the tunnel, and there was this giant sea monster that what, you know. Swirling it down, and, and the, the prey went down the throat of the giant sea monster.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, over... Okay, I want to say... I have an
1: imagination.
0: Not by the crematorium. Well, not the crematorium, where I live. That used to be the crematorium that everyone still calls the crematorium. And I'm like, what? Oh, you mean where I live? When people say, oh, the crematorium, by the crematorium. Anyway, so uh, if you go over, uh, I want to say northwest of the crematorium. No. Oh, I'm so terrible. I always get lost when going around the uh, Oleander Mansion because it's so big. But if you go around, like, if you're on the backside, and then you go left, like, you're facing the crematorium, you go left, and then you go around, there's there's that huge thing of blackberry bushes. Um, there are a bunch of old floats. There's, like, all these old floats from, like, this year and the last year and the year before, and even before that. But anyway, uh, the kids like to climb up on them and pretend that they're in parades. And I'm like, uh, we need to get the goats out here to clear out the blackberry bushes. But we do.
1: Do they do the wave? Do they do the little princess parade wave?
0: Uh, No, no, no. They uh, throw stuff out and pretend that they're throwing candy out, but they don't have candy to throw out. And I don't think they would throw out candy, because that's candy. That's stuff like gold to kids. (sighs) But uh, speaking of one thing that we're going to talk about, uh, kids and candy, something that we've had problems with, because a bunch of Easter candy got left out, and we had ants. So uh, yeah, Yeah, it was like ants all over the front porch. Uh, something I want to talk about is D and D and spring because one thing that definitely comes out in spring is ants it's doing yard work ants. found a bunch of ants,
1: ants. <laughs> Just, and, and, and occasionally and occasionally uncles
0: yeah yeah no no uh, I had the studio open the other day, and a bee flew in. I was like, ah! I was mowing the lawn this morning, and a wasp tried to sting me, and I was like, huh? I think I know what I want to talk about for D and D. Let's talk about springtime. So I said, hey, Dave. Spring has sprung. Let's talk about spring for D and D, and my brain went to ants and bees and picnics and uh, drinking mead and all that kind of fun stuff, and. And, and you you went in a different direction, but we'll talk about that after the break. And we didn't have an interview this week, but you you, you have a, a bit that you're going to be talking about. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, so uh, I had about a fifteen minutes, you know, after Pinky was on the show
0: sure. uh, last
1: week, uh, and so uh, I just came across, and uh, I've always been interested. In, in James Bond. okay and even and, and I admit I have some problems with James Bond I have some problems with Ian Fleming yeah but you know I, I love I love spies I love mm-hmm. espionage mm-hmm. you know and and it's and we'll go a little bit over it but in the 60s when it came out yeah you know the the bond movies maybe not the first one but you know uh, Goldfinger, that was almost as influential mm-hmm. as say Star Wars was. You know, late seventies. Interesting. And It was a game changer. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit of it, but but sort of some of the Bond movies, the theaters in New York during Christmas, uh-huh. they were running twenty four hour showings just to keep up with the demand to see the new Bond movies.
0: Wow. So
1: there's a lot of a lot of interesting trivia.
0: Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to listen to that. I'm, I'm not a huge uh, Bond aficionado. I, I remember seeing uh, a bunch of the uh, Roger Moore ones when I was a kid, and uh, was a little bit older, saw some of the Sean Connery ones from before then, and you know, then watched uh, a few Bond movies here and there. But somewhere in the 2000s, I kind of lost track of Bond movies. I, 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 don't, I, I don't even know if I've seen a, a modern Bond movie <laughs> with um, the guy who I know played as Stormtrooper in one of the more newer <laughs> Star Daniels. Wars movies. Yeah, Craig Daniels. Um, Someone was like, that's Craig Daniels. And I'm like, who's Craig Daniels? And they're like, it's James Bond. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because I thought it was Remington Steele was James Bond. But yeah, anyway... So, yeah, we have that going on. And we'll talk about that after the break, everyone. So we'll see you in a bit. All right. Hey, Dave, I hope you're doing well. And I hope to see you after the break. I will not. Be, I will be here. All right. I will not leave. Okay. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. You're your host... Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher.
1: You're listening to the Farmer Dave Show on 1130 KZOM Radio Free Oleander. And studio management would like to point out that despite what I said last week, even though you're listening to this in the afternoon, it's still a.m., not p.m. Apparently, the radio frequencies do not change once it gets dark, like I claimed. That said, we have just had a riveting show where friend of the show, Dr. Pinky Tescadero our local veterinarian, just spent an hour and a half explaining the difference between llamas, and it's llamas and not llamas, and alpacas. We'll be closing up the Farmer Dave show from 8 to 10 p.m. on 1130 a.m., and again, for, for some reason, that bothers me. But we'll be closing this up uh, in the next 15 minutes. And we're going to have, between the 10 and midnight hour, uh, local band member uh, Sid Ritchie of Stinky Ducks. And you can now get your Stinky Duck t-shirts here at, uh, on our website and or our Facebook page. Uh, so if you want a Stinky Duck t-shirt... You can get that, and he's going to do two hours of a subject I just find fascinating Riot Girl. Riot Girl was, of course, most of you know, a visual, musical, art uh, form led by mainly female uh, punks, uh, punk artists uh, in the mainly 1990s, uh, California. Uh, and the uh, North uh, Pacific North Coast, uh, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, with the main area for uh, Riot Girl. It didn't really last that long, but it was very influential. So uh, after uh, I finish up my next 10 15 minutes, uh, stay around and listen to Sid Ritchie discuss Riot Girl. Uh, but like I said, we've still got uh, another 10 15 minutes of the show because. Um, there just is no more facts about yamas and alpacas. Pinky spent the last hour and a half uh, giving us a master class on the difference. So that gives me about 10-15 minutes where I can uh, talk about anything I want to. And uh, I thought I'd talk and share a little trivia on one of uh, America, England, the world's most beloved uh, book and movie franchises. James Bond. I figure we cover in the next 15 minutes or so some James Bond trivia. I think most of you listening tonight um, know that the James Bond series was written by a man named Ian Fleming. And Fleming was actually an intelligence officer during World War II. Um, we'll share some trivia, but he wrote one book that was not related to the James Bond series. And that was the children's classic Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which, um, yes, was written by the same guy who wrote James Bond. Now, there are some stories here, uh, which, to be honest, I have not been able to authenticate. But growing up, I'd always heard... That James Bond stories were he and were encouraged, or Fleming was encouraged to write these stories by his therapist, because he had all these violent sort of fantasies in his mind, and his therapist said, Well, write them out. That way you won't actually do these things. I, I don't know if that's true, but what I do know is that there was some very fantasy, fantastic settings in Bonn for the timeline. So up until 1955 in England, they still had food rationing from World War II. So England did not snap back the way America did. America was all of a sudden on this great industrial uh, heading, and it was becoming a superpower after World War II, England didn't get all the benefits of of industrialization from the war that the United States did. So where America, they are coming back to the GI Bill and jobs and factory jobs and technology and cars and almost this wonderful ideal setting, in England there was still food rationing there were still places that were devastated buildings that had not been rebuilt after you know the german attack you know 10 years later so this story about this agent that could travel anywhere ate exotic food wore white tuxedos blended in with the rich and the elite could you know kill anyone could have sex with anyone this was a fantasy to the English people, and that's why it's so it, it it struck a chord. It wasn't necessarily supposed to be realistic. And let's face it, the books are much, much more realistic than than the movies or a lot of the movies. But it was still this spy fantasy. It was this spy escapism. Another sort of well known fact is um Fleming got a little tired of writing Bond sort of halfway through and he attempted to kill him off. Same way Arthur Conan Doyle sort of got tired of writing Sherlock Holmes killed him off but he had to bring him back. So in the bat in the end of the book Russia, from Russia with Love, it ends off leaving basically with Bond lying on the floor dying. He'd been stabbed by these Knives and hidden in in, uh, Rosa Klebb's shoes, and he had been poisoned and and he was dying. And that's where, you know, uh, From Russia with Love ended. And it was pretty much, Fleming thought this was the last bomb book he was going to write. But um, a couple, something that really happened to change this was that a young senator, soon to become President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, went on in an interview and said this was his favorite book of the year. All of a sudden, this offered Fleming so many economic offers and ways he could move the character along, including the idea that, hey, we're going to make movies about this. That He had to bring it back. Um, So in the movie, which is I believe the second movie, uh, you know, uh, he he shoots uh, Clev, or or but in the next book, uh, they bring him back and say he was almost dying, but they brought him back in the hospital. Um, in addition to this, again, I'm not sure if this is just an urban legend, but as opposed to which we know, you know, Kennedy said this was his favorite book of the year. Uh, that's pretty well documented. Uh, but it apparently that from Russia with love was the last movie Kennedy di- uh, saw before he died. Now the first movie, of course, was Doctor No, and which is still one of my favorite. And with Doctor No, it was only a million dollar movie, which you know at that time wasn't anything to laugh at. But it wasn't; it, it was a pretty cheap movie as movies go at the time. No one expected it to become this big phenomena that it became. And in fact, as far as I know, the only continuous series that outdates the James Bond series is Godzilla. And now, you know, 60 years or so later, Bond has kind of become a parody of itself. He has, you know, the Daniel Craig relaunch and everything. But it's hard to really understand how influential, not the first, but you know, the first three or four Bond movies that came out. I mean, it got so much demand for uh, movies like uh, uh, You Only, uh, you Only uh, Live Twice and-, and Goldfinger that New York movie theaters, basically during the Christmas time, ran them 24 hours. Uh, I mean, they were just—they did not stop showing it, and people were showing up, filling seats. You know, two, f- three, four in the morning. There were a lot of of copycat movies, uh, the Eurospy, and, and a lot of the Eurospy movies were cheap and cheesy, and, and were not even not even meant to be that serious. But you know, men like. Uh, Armand uh, Flint, uh, you know the Matt Helm, uh, but there were just tons of Eurospy movies. The early Bond movies were uh, like Star Wars in in a way; they're just very impactful on what else movie audiences saw. Now, Ian Studios knew that they wanted their fourth Bond movie to be called "You Only Live Twice." which was one of the books. The problem was, in the books, You Only Live Twice deals with the aftermath of uh, uh, In Her Majesty's Secret Service, which had not been made into a movie yet. So they couldn't take that book and make it into a movie without also including the first part and why Bond was going around killing all these people. So they, Ian's studio, went to, of all people, Roland Dahl, who is most famous for making or writing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and said, we want you to come up with a plot and storyline. Strange choice, but Roland Dahl, like Fleming, was an intelligence officer during World War II. And he's the one that sort of set the you know, the gadgets and everything beyond. I mean, they kept the Japanese setting and they kept that. you know, he faked his death. But that was about it. Everything else, the ninjas and the fighting underneath the volcano, the secret base under the volcano, that was all Roland Dahl. And in a lot of ways, he sort of set this for future Bond movies with the the gadgets and, and up the ante with the women and also, um, you know, just the, these sort of incredible, exotic bases. And, of course, the, the the Bond movies are as well known for the Bond girls as they are for James Bond. And, and, you know, a good Bond girl can make or break a Bond movie. And the first Bond girl was Ursula Andrews. And this actual set her reputation and in fact in one of the later books ursula andrews appears it's like in a a casino or something and someone points, oh look that's ursula andrews uh to casino uh to bond um and but this movie really did start her career and the the thing about it is that the producers decided that this was the person they wanted when they saw a picture of Miss Anders in um, a wet t-shirt contest. Um, they decided, that this, is the, this is who we want. This, and um, the rest is, so we say, history, because her, um, her um, honey writer, or in the book, honey child writer, sets the example, the template for, the archetype for the Bond girl. Uh, we're coming close to running run-out time now, so I've got a, one more story I'd like to sort of share. And it, It's who Eric Goldfinger really was. Now, we all know that he's the character in Goldfinger, and that in the movie, at least, he wanted to set off the nuclear bombs in Fort Knox that would make his gold more valuable. But there really was an Ehrlich Goldfinger, and he was an architect in London. And he had built a building, and when they were building the building, um, they built this wall, uh, you know, around where their building site, and it blocked Fleming's view on his walking path of his favorite lake. And he got so mad at this, that he decided that he was going to use the name on this sign, you know, this building is built by Eric Goldfinger, as the new bad guy in his next story. It was basically done for revenge. Um, You know, despite his sort of genius in writing, uh, Fleming could be a kind of a petty guy. And so this was his strike at revenge for not being able to see his favorite lake. Now, there is so much more folklore and stories and trivia and fact with the Bond series. But uh, we're running out of time, uh, so maybe we will cover this on another date. But for today, dear listeners, I'm going to turn you over to Sid Ritchie as he explores the adventures in Riot Girl. Uh, you're listening to The Farmer Dave Show on KZOM 1130 AM. Whether it's daylight or night, it's always AM on the radio. Radio Free Oleander.
0: Hey everyone, I think we all learned a little bit about James Bond and a little bit about ourselves in that last segment. Thank you for joining us once again for... D and D on D and D. I am your host DB, and this is Dave here, the other D in D and D.
1: And the other D and D stands for Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Uh, which 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 one are you? Are you are, are you a dungeon or? I believe that I am the dragon. Okay, I, I think it, I think
1: it's technically DB and D, but the B is on D and D, but the B is silent.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree with you there. So, yeah, I'll I'll be the dungeon. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, we, we told the listeners uh, that you had a different idea for spring when you were talking about D&D. What was uh what did you think about what it
1: so when I think of, you know, medieval and a medieval setting <laughs> and, and spring, you know, I think of the celebrations, the the, the maypole, the the, you know, the celebrations because Especially communities that live so important, Mm -hmm. you know, agriculture, the the weather changing and the the sun coming out. This is a major thing, you know, kind of like we've been coped in with um, uh, with, um, you know, COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these societies were were just sort of locked in during the night. And, and, you know, they they. They, were, they had become consumers. They were burning up their firewood. Sure. And now the light has come. They can celebrate, they can party, but they can start producing again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very true. And, and I,
1: you know, and especially, you know, we a lot of these would be religious ceremonies, mm-hmm. especially pagan. So, you know, if you're having spring, that especially if, let's say, you've got a sun god or something, mm-hmm. or worship a cleric of a sun god, you know, this could be a major time for them as, as the sp- spring in in their world. Yeah. There could be celebrations, you know, uh, there could be religious, there could be pilgrimage. Mm-hmm.
0: Very true, very true. Yeah, and um, one thing uh, that is, is true for all major... Uh, I don't know. Cycles of the sun is there's generally some sort of major holiday and major like kind of like fest tradition that seems to differ slightly from the region next to it, but is essentially the same thing, depending on what your your deity is and what your <laughs> and 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 like what your local resources are. I mean, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and another thing is, you know, we're so used to you know the internet or picking up the phone, but you know this might be the first time that a path is, is thought. So it, an entire adventure, just seeing if that town on the other side of the hill is still there.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, no, definitely. So it's it's a good time to communicate with your neighbors. Or, you know, maybe try and make an an uneasy alliance with those who you had a rough time with prior. But yeah, it's spring. And all kinds of stuff uh, can be associated with spring. One thing I was thinking about was pestilence, uh, such as the bees coming out and the wasps coming out and the ants coming out. Everything coming out looking for food, looking to build new homes. And I guess that could even include some magical animals like those bee, wasp, spider, sturge things. Or, (laughs) I don't know.
1: Oh, or, or, or bears coming out of hibernation.
0: Definitely, definitely. Owl bears, even. Or, 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 yeah, or bug bears. Bug bears. I, no, I don't know if bug bears hibernate as much as they just, like, you know, open, come out of, maybe, maybe, maybe they come deeper out of the caves and go, Ugh. You know, they're groups of goblin friends and whatnot, but, Ugh. You know, another
1: uh, another thing that we sort of living in modern cities don't realize, too, mm-hmm. but, um, th- you know, the snow melts, and so the waters start rising. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and who knows what the, what, you know, you could have, like, a whole ad- adventure, this strange, mysterious body gets washed down off the mountain. Ooh. You know, and it turns out kind of like... Um, in the beginning of um, oh, uh, whispers in the darkness. You know where the, the the dissolved Mego bodies come down the river, and they could maybe the adventure um, go up to the this mountain where the snows melting and find like a like a, a an abandoned city.
0: Oh wow. Yeah no no i mean when you said like the snows melting and the water levels rise i started thinking of twin peaks where like you know uh like Laura Palmer? Laura Palmer. Yeah, no, no, I was thinking, like, what would be, like, a medieval equivalent of, like, a young woman washes up on the uh, riverbanks to a logging community, and, like, you know, she's, like, well-liked by everyone, but people then slowly find out that she has a deeper, darker past. And in these words, a darkness lurks. You know, kind of kind of thing, kind of a and oh, oh. d that leads into an investigation that slowly gets more and more... Uh, mythos-y and leads into like deeper, darker things and everybody's dirty secrets, kind of, kind of D and D campaign, you know, and do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Or, or, or even more twisted. Uh uh-huh. it, it, it. The body is identical to the character. One of the characters. What? You know, they and, and, and,
0: you know, obviously I'm alive. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, one thing I was looking up, I was like. I started looking up mead and honey and bees. Just so I was like, oh, I should maybe do a little bit of prep work once in a while for this show. So I looked up mead, and it's like six to nine months to uh, like do the secondary fermentation on mead, just so it's like drinkable and not just super bright tasting sugar honey flavor. <laughs> so it mellows out. Uh, yeah, so. Um, it's like, thinking, it's like, oh, man, like, this time of year would be, like, wind meets perfect, and uh, maybe maybe some uh, a group of, uh, I don't know, wizard or adventurers, or not adventurers, but, like, a tavern keep or something like that hires the adventurers to go out and get, like, the honey of, like, giant bees or some sort of, like, I don't know, magical style bees or some sort of, like... I don't know. Uh how magical I was thinking. Uh, I like
1: to, I like the, you know, or uh, or uh I like the, the giant bee or, or the queen's the 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 queen's jelly from the, the bees.
0: Uh uh-huh. uh. Yeah, or some sort of like magical bee, like blue bee that lives in some sort of like wild wizard lands where like wizards battled a thousand years ago and the the lands just have never quite healed. And you have like fish that swim through the dirt and bees that are blue that hum. Weird song. I, mean, I don't know. There's stuff like that kind of place where like a bugbears are just like, oh, hey, look, there's a family of bugbear <laughs> living in their natural habitat. <laughs> But, you know, and, and, you know, definitely,
1: like I said, you know, living out here in, in Oleander, we ah. see this to some extent, but, yeah. um, you know, the world comes back, you know. It's very metaphorical. Mm-hmm. That You know, the sun comes back, the long days come back, the mm-hmm. animals come back. And, and that was very important to the people Yeah. But, or, 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 of the time. But, you know, if the real world is coming back mm-hmm. then so is the Fey world yeah so you know maybe the the winter you know the Fey have all been kind of quiet you know they don't want to step into that cold real world but now that the, the now that it's the sun's coming out and the, the animals are out uh, you, you maybe have a the wilderness is, is overrun with Fey.
0: Or maybe a different aspect of Fae, like maybe in the wintertime we get more like dread-looking Fae, more kind of like spooky, jangly, like uh, darker-looking Fae. And as, as we move towards spring, we get like a different seasonal of Fae, kind of like, I don't know, pixies and nixies and I don't know. Maybe Maybe, maybe <laughs> summer's more of a, a nymph kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, no. Let's, well, let's swap that around. So
1: <laughs> Well, you know, and, and so it's possible, even sort of a, as a as a PC. Sure. So I think these have been around since third edition. Mm-hmm. I didn't really catch on to these until fifth edition, and that was in uh, Mordenkine's Tome of Foes. I think they're in another book, too.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But uh, the Eldrin. And the Eldrin are elves that have four distinctive personalities based on uh, the autumn, the winter, spring, and the summer. And it doesn't necessarily have to correspond with the the actual nature. It's sort of more how they are. And they will physically change appearance or, sort of, and color. Their hair will change color. Their skin huh. will change color. Interesting. As well as their personality. Yeah. And you can do these as PCs, Or, you know, what if, you know, so it's now spring and this elder elder uh, NPC that sort of helped them fight, you know, off the the monsters in the autumn comes back in the spring and I'm just sort of, so the PC, their personality depends on sort of what, you know, what phase they're in. So the autumn one, you know, the season of peace and goodwill and summer harvest is shared with all, but the spring they come back it's a season of cheerfulness and celebration, uh, marked by merriment as the winter's uh, sorrow passes. Mm-hmm. Or you know, the winter is the contemplator, and uh, uh, vibrant energy of the world slumbers. Okay. You know, so the, this this piece NPC that the party knew that maybe guided them took them to like dungeons and adventures. Who was all this sort of. Dire and somber, yeah, you know, somber. Comes back three months later, <coughs> and you know her hair is no longer blue and it's blonde, and now she's a completely different personality. <laughs> and, you know, do we
0: trust her now? Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about
1: that. Yeah, and they, even some of the books have like different flaws for the different states, so you know they could have a different uh, where a, a spring flaw might be. You know, over drink or uh, uh, a pretty face infatuates you, where the winter flaw might be you need to come first in winter. All must march to themselves. So completely different personality change hmm. uh,
0: come come the seasons. Wow! Cool. Very cool. Yeah. No. that's um, spring. I'm I'm trying to think of anything. Uh Else that we wanted to talk about with spring and D D,
1: other than you know, um, I just love the idea of kind of it. You're, you know, you're having a picnic, you're celebrating, your trip, and all of a the sudden these giant ants come.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, giant ants. That was that was another one I was thinking of, or like giant wasps or something. When you're having your, I don't know, massive uh, feast fest. Uh, Uh, (laughs) The feast of spring in your, like, I don't know, uh, mountainous uh, village or something, and then ants burrow up from the the innards of the mountain, or uh, wasps, giant wasps fly over from the valley, or, you know, who knows what. But, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's... uh... Find the source of it, and oh, what do you know? It's some evil druid making ants attack this village because of some slight misconceived decades ago. They laughed at her and called her floppy ears. Who knows, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Dave, that's been d on d I hope, uh... I hope hope everyone's uh, got some good ideas for spring if they want to incorporate spring into their uh, campaign. I don't know. It's uh, Something people do, something people don't. I don't know. Do you you really think about seasons when you play D&D? You
1: know, I think it's something that I should do more and I want to channel more. Really, the only seasons that I really think of Mm -hmm. is winter. Ah. You know, and obviously, because that's a uh, a hardship and an obstacle, especially to like traveling. Yeah. But I think it's something that I, that I think my game would improve if it's something that I focused on.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just tell people like what the weather's like when they arrive someplace, and like what it's like while they're there, and you know, it's not whether or not it's spring or summer or fall or winter. It's just like it's cold, it's dry, and the wind's blowing hard. You're in like you know high high desert but yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. D&D on D&D everyone. This has been Radio Free Oleander. I've been one of your hosts, DB Spitzer. This is David Heath. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We really do enjoy you listening and we will, you know, let us know, give us uh I don't know, give us a review, tell us what we need to do. Uh, I'm going to put less music while people are talking because someone said, hey, don't do that, and gave me one star. I mean, don't tell me what to do by giving me one star, but I like that kind of suggestion. I just saw that one recently. I was like, oh, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. So we're going to tell people not to play music while we're talking. So if you'll notice. There's no music playing. All right. Thanks, everyone. If you want to help support the show, check the show notes. We've got Patreon. We've got all kinds of places where you can find out what's going on, any sub-projects we've got going on, or anything like that. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. 11.30 a.m. KZOM. Radio Free Oleander, the place to be and be seen. Oleander, Oregon. 11.30 a.m. KZLM. Thank you and goodbye. Can you say goodbye, Dave? Bye. All right. I thought they'd left. <laughs> <laughs> I know.